People give me hell because I say the word fault all the time. And what I'm absolutely not saying is you have a fault. I'm not saying anything's fucking wrong with you. I'm saying if you win, it's your fault. If you fail, it's your fault. If you win that client, that deal, that's your fault. If you lose that client or deal, that's your fault. You realize that it's all on you. See, it took me almost losing everything I fucking had, looking up for a minute and go, oh fuck, there's nobody to blame. I can't blame a company because their marketing sucked. I can't blame a boss for giving me bad leads. I can't, there, there was nobody to blame but me. That's it. Only person I could blame for my lack of business success at that moment was me. When you get to that place that the entire world is on you, everything shifts. I recently had a situation where a client that I wasn't expecting left. They, they sent me an email saying, hey, we've gotten to where I think you can get us. We're moving on to a different direction. We're no longer doing business with you. I was totally blindsided. We had literally had a conversation the day before to where um, we were, were going to be doing a lot bigger project with a lot more zeros. And they really dropped a bomb the next day saying we're no longer doing business. I had a moment where I was like, fuck them. And I, and I had to catch myself because it wasn't fuck them. It was a hundred percent. I'd fucked up. It was a hundred percent my fault because I had not dove enough into their world to realize we weren't meeting their standards. I didn't know that there was problems and issues. I didn't know there was things going on. They didn't live, leave because my company was dropping the ball. They left because I dropped the ball. And, and when yeah. you do that, amazing thing happens. You can amazingly shift almost instantly and go, how do I fix this so it never happens again? That is the brilliance of ownership. Everything is your fault are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell, from the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, to the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risked their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews and I'm live on the line today with Donnie Bovine. Donnie, are you there? I am. I am. Thanks for having me on, bud. I've been looking forward to this one. Awesome. Glad to have you here. And for those of you who have been following along with our show and our travels, um, we are still stuck in Kissimmee because of our wonderful coronavirus cri crisis and global pandemic. And you said you're out in the uh, um, Dallas-Fort Worth area. Is that right? Well, we're in the Fort Worth side of things. Dallas is like a whole nother country for us. So so we're on the Fort Worth <laughs> side of things in Texas, yeah. 
That's funny. It reminds me of, uh, I grew up in Southern California and, and all of my friends from around the country always used to think that like, if you were in Southern California, you were in LA. And I was like, oh no, no. LA is like the Black Plague. We avoid that place. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. As much as possible. Well, we we always tell everybody Dallas is like the big city. So you think if it's your LA, it's your New York, it's, you know, those. Fort Worth is very much the good old boy city. So it's where everything's done by a handshake. Um, everything's done by get to know you, good old boy conversations. So so it's a lot more laid back and a lot more fun here. Yeah, I I like that. Uh that's my my favorite places we've been to in America is all those uh, good old boy stuff. And man, yeah. I got to tell you, as someone who grew up in California of all places, when we started traveling and hitting the road and we hit Texas for the first time, it was a major culture shock yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, and I think our first, we spent like eight months in Texas, uh, mostly because it's humongous and there's a lot of things to see. And I think I got called sir more times in those eight months than I have in my entire life. And it was, it was a strange, a strange feeling, but all the way down to like the little kids that you go, you take your kids to the park and they all come up to you and they're like, Hey, you know, excuse me, sir. Can I play with your son? Or can you help me? um, Whatever. And you're like, man, like even the kids are polite and wonderful. So anyways, tower race, man, it's, 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 it's the complete culture. Um, uh, And you know, it, if more of the world would adopt that nicety, that respect for each other, we'd be in a lot cooler place right now. I completely agree with you. So what I want to do real quick is do a quick introduction for um, my audience who may or may not know who you are. Um, but seeing as you're a uh, top 200 iTunes podcaster, they might know who you are already. <laughs> um, so uh, Donnie is an award-winning professional sales trainer. Uh, Marine Corps veteran, which we said this earlier on the show, but thank you so much for your service. Really appreciate that. Um, And you are owner of uh, Profitable Success Champions Business. Um, And so what I want to find out from you, Donnie, is if you will take a moment and just sort of explain what it is that you do for um, with with Success Champions, like who your audience is and what your major like services that you offer are um, as a way of like, you know, letting us know who, you know, what you do. Yeah, so it's been a fun ride. I'm, I know I could tell my story here in a second, so it'll explain where we're at. But Success Champions as a whole, we focus on helping business owners actually scale their business by one, getting out of their own damn way. Two, teaching them how to do the business development side of their of their business. What people always think is they have a sales problem. What they don't have is they have a business development problem. Because most anybody, once you sit across from somebody, then then you have a brilliant conversation. It usually leads to a lifelong friendship and relationship and the business gets done. Both people are happy. It's getting to that conversation everybody sucks at. So we focus a lot on teaching people how to, that. to yeah, how to get to that conversation. And we do it through a plethora of things. We do it through our podcast, of course. Um, we do it through our magazine. We do it through our Facebook group. We do it through the Badass Business Summit. And now we do it through uh, Success Champions Virtual Networking Groups. So we just have a ton of ways to bring businesses together to collaborate and grow so you're not this entrepreneur on the island trying to do it yourself. Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, And I know, uh, at least in my business, the better I have gotten at involving myself both with other entrepreneurs and surrounding myself with team members, the more my business has grown. So um, if you're uh, listening, that's definitely a huge, huge thing in your business to figure out how to get in the right circles. So, Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, 
So what I want to start off with then after that brief introduction is your origin story, right? So we say every good comic book hero has an origin story. It's the thing that made them the hero they are today, you know, and we want to hear that story. Were you born a hero? Were you bit by a radioactive spider that made you fall in love with business development? Or did you start in a job? I know you started as a, as a Marine and eventually be, moved to become an entrepreneur. Basically, we want to know where you came from. Yeah, I'd be a lot cooler if I fell into a vat of like radioactive something or other, but that didn't happen. Um, So uh, (laughs) you don't have the scars for it. No, no, no. But right after the Marine Corps, um, I came home and like most veterans when they get out, didn't know what the hell I wanted to be when I grew up. But luckily, my best friend and his old man were running an HVAC company. So I went to work for them. And during that particular stunt, it sucked. Um, I was in Texas, 100 plus degree weather, climbing in attics, under houses. It was absolutely miserable. And I was getting ready to quit. I I was done. I wasn't going to do it anymore. And Jerry, who was the owner, walked up to me and goes, you're about to quit, aren't you? And I said, yeah, dude, I am done with this. And he goes, before you quit, I want to try something. I'm like, okay, what's that? He goes, I want you to try sales. I'm like, what the hell is sales? Um, he goes, I'm going to hand you some pamphlets. You're going to go knock on doors and see if anybody needs air conditioning work. I'm like, I don't have to go in attics. I don't have to crawl in your houses. And he goes, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, I'm in. So that's how I got started in sales. Um, I, that nice. was 22 years old um, and got into straight commission sales. So I didn't make anything, couldn't pay my bills, buy a beer, drinks, whatever, unless I sold something. Um, and I did sales for 20 years. So I started off uh, in residential HVAC and then uh, moved that company into a multi-million dollar commercial company, um, was recruited up to St. Louis, sold franchises, back to Texas, sold commercial printing for a number of years, and then finished my career working for other people with an organization called Sandler Training and uh, became, quote unquote, like one of the that. top sales trainers in the country, whatever the hell that means. Um, I guess that just means I'm good at flapping my gums in front of, the, uh, in front of a room. So um, at the end of that sales training uh, career, I was in a position where I was getting ready to buy my business partner out. Hell of a guy. Um, I'd really helped him build his business and we'd, we'd really built something phenomenal. And it was going to be a, a, you know, a seven-figure buyout over five years, and I was going to assume his company. So we went out to dinner to celebrate the, everything that we've done, everything that we've created, and really start hashing out the details about how this buyout was going to work. And during that dinner, he said a phrase to me that literally changed everything for the rest of my life. And what he said was, Donnie, thank God you're my retirement plan. And when he said that to me, I looked right back at him because he said it out of love, right? He said it out of compassion. He really, truly meant it. And when I responded, I, I, I really meant the words I said. I said, I knew it's been my honor. I appreciate it. I love every minute of it. You know, it's been awesome. It's been amazing. I've loved the journey. I've loved the ride. But then I walked to my truck. And when I got to my yeah. truck, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? You are literally somebody else's retirement plan. And then 15 days later from that moment, I launched Success Champions and got this whole thing off the ground. There's some fun moments in time between from there to here, 
Namely, the biggest one is the moment I looked at my wife and said, babe, we're about to lose everything that we own because I had no clue how to be a business owner. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, podcasting absolutely transformed and changed my life um, and, and helped me build the business that I have now. But, you know, it's, it's been an absolutely amazing and wild ride building success. I can't even talk right now. Success champions to what it is now. Yeah, that's really incredible. I know I, uh, I had a, uh, uh, similar, you know, come to Jesus moment in my, uh, in my business where I actually, it was 2012 into that year where I went to my wife and I was like, Hey, I think we need to shut down our consulting business. Um, because I suck at being a business owner. Um, and, uh, my, my trajectory change was to go into the corporate world, um, and to take all of my, uh, marketing training to the corporate world. And basically I was like, I just, the thing that I needed was I needed to get confidence in my skills. So I could, my biggest problem was learning how to charge what I was actually worth for the stuff I was delivering. And I was, since I was undercharging so much, I was basically starving our business and starving our family and all that. And we managed to, you know, uh, I took a, a C-level director position for a marketing, you know, marketing thing within 28 days. Um, and at a hundred thousand dollar month marketing budget and, brought them $50 million in sales over two years and then quit and went back to my business with a whole new, <laughs> new thing. But yeah, it was like, you know, it's, it's that, that come to Jesus where you're like, you know what, I, I don't know what the hell I'm doing and I need to make a change. So yeah, no, it was interesting. Anyways, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, for, for me, it was, you know, I'd spent 20 years being a sales guy, you know, and I didn't know it when I launched my business, but what that meant is I spent 20 years having somebody else tell me what to do. You know, even though I was a sales guy and I felt freedom and independent and everything else, you know, I still had quotas. I still had, you know, responsibilities. And and when your life is always in somebody else's hands, it's very difficult to grab life by the horns and really, really run with it. So um, up until that point, before I had that conversation with my wife, I mean, dude, we built our, our dream farm. I had a Victorian house on a bunch of land. I'd built a second house on the property for my mother-in-law. And, you know, we, by some standards, were living the life, you know, the kind of the American dream. And then, you know, what I kept doing is instead of building a business, I'd made a really crappy job for myself. So what I got good at was getting a client, making sure they got where they needed to go to where they didn't need me anymore. And then they would leave. And then, oh, shit, I got to go sell again. Now I got to go get another client. Then I'd help them get them where they need to go. And then they wouldn't need me anymore. And I kept doing this over and over and over again. And all the while, I was doing employee-type tasks versus building a corporation, building a company. And um, it took me a minute. And after my wife told me to get off my ass and go sell something, to start realizing that I just wasn't thinking in the right direction. I was actually doing the same things I did as an employee, but trying to do them while running a business. Um, so it took me, and I, and I did a really, really funny thing. I looked at my business and I go, okay, if I'm running this like an employee, how do I shift my own mindset? So I took out a piece of paper. And on the left side of the sheet of paper, I wrote down every task in my company, literally everything that needed to get done for my business to function. Then I drew a line right next to it. And in that column to the right, 
above it, I wrote, would Steve Jobs do this task? And then I went by each line item and dude, I was just doing a ton of shit that I shouldn't have been doing. You know, um, I, I was constantly in the backside of my business, getting things done and building things. And it was, it was, a this moment of time when I realized, holy hell, I am so in the business that I'm not growing and working on the business. So it was, it was a pivot factor for me to start changing the trajectory of everywhere I'm going. And yeah, yeah. Of asking then, yourself better questions. Yeah. Which is, which is half the battle of being a business owner. Yeah, um, I remember I had almost the exact same thing happen in my business, but I wasn't smart enough to come up with the better question myself. Hmm. Um, I was in a room, a mastermind, we mentioned being in a room of other entrepreneurs. Um, and I can actually tell you like the day it happened, it was October like 15th, uh, 2018. And I was in a uh, mastermind room. Um, and at this point, my my business was still solopreneur. It was just me, right? And I was running. And we we're doing good, you know. I, I'm living living the life that I want to live, traveling full time with my family, hit the income goals I wanted to hit. It's all doing what I want to do, but I can't grow it anymore because of you know the <laughs> you can only do so much when it's just you. Right. Um, and I remember um, thinking like maybe I need to raise my prices. Blah blah. I'm not sure where I need to go. And the uh, uh, my the guy who was heading up the mastermind pulls me aside and he's like the thing that you need to do is you need to get the hell out of your own way. Mm. Right. And, and he was like, you are your own bottleneck in your business. And he's like, what I want you to do when you get home from this meeting is I want you to hire someone. And I was like, well, what I hire him for? And he was like, I don't give a fuck. He's (laughs) like, go home, hire someone and get them on your staff. He's like, you'll figure out what to do afterwards. And I remember thinking at that point, I was like, that's the craziest thing ever. I can't afford a staff member. There's no way right. I do that. I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to pay the bills. What would I get them to do? Blah, 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 blah. And I remember um, thinking at that time, like, I can't, I can't just hire someone. Like, I don't know where the money is going to come from to pay for their salary. And then like, I'm not just, it's not just my family that's dependent on our work. It's someone else's family that's right. been on the work. And like all these like fears of making that changeover from a solopreneur to a CEO which I know it's weird to think CEO when you only have one employee at the time, Agreed. but like that's Agreed. the, that's the mindset shift you have to make. Yep. Um, and I remember sitting there and the question, you know, the, to, to the point of asking better questions, um, I realized the thing that I was doing in my business was the question I was asking myself is every task that would come up is, was, you know, should I do this task or should I hire someone else mm-hmm. to do it? Right. Cause I would hire people for project work every once in a while or to do things. And like 99 times out of 100, the answer to that question is I should do it myself because I can do it better and I can do it cheaper and I can do it faster, right? Which is all false, but those right. were in my head. That's the reason that, you know, it came up. Um, so I always chose to do it myself. Um, and when, um, and what, what he did when he, forced, when he forced me to hire someone and I actually hired someone and brought them on, it was now all of a sudden I had someone on my staff and the question was, what can I take off of my plate today and put onto theirs, right? Mm-hmm. Because I have their hours, like I have the time there. Um, and that's a completely different question of should I hire someone, right? It's I've already hired someone, what do I need to get off my plate and onto theirs? Yeah. Um, and it's funny, I hired them part time to start. And within um, a month and a half, I brought them on full time. And our business output had doubled. 
right? Yeah. Because now, I, suddenly there was twice as much time. Right. No, I love it. You know, it was it was fascinating for me as as I went through that same process of hiring the first person and tr- and trying to figure it out. What I did early on that screwed up that process was the first person I ever hired was to edit my podcast, right? And I need it because. I edited like the first 10 shows of my podcast. I'm like, okay, this sucks. I ain't doing this shit no more. Um, so I hired a, a, you know, a guy to do my podcast. Right? Um, and, and he was really good at doing all the podcast editing. And I was like, you know what? I thought he can do other shit. So I just started dumping Anything I get off my plate, I threw him. Next thing you know, my podcast guy is damn near doing everything in the business, but the accounting. Um, and at some point it came to a head and he's like, look, I'm a podcast editor. <laughs> you know, I'm not, you know, your admin. And, and it was a great lessons learned that I had to hire for the position I needed, not hire somebody who was good at one task and then force feed them all the rest of the crap um, to do that role. So, yeah. so one of my favorite things that I've, that I've learned is when you figure out those tasks you should be doing as somebody else should be doing is if you can bundle those tasks you shouldn't be doing together. Can you find a person who geeks out on that bundle? So like a big struggle in my business for a time was all the sales automation. I could get the conversations, I could get everything going, but have this whole all that click funnel crap and all the other stuff that usually they tell you you're supposed to have to grow your business, right? All that stuff. If, if, if to do all that, I kept trying to build it all myself. And of course I sucked yeah. at it because it wasn't my passion. But once I found Kevin Snow, who's now the number two in my company, you know, he could take all that automation away. And then I found out, oh crap, this dude can write emails. You know, he can do other things. And now he handles all the operational side of my business because he totally geeks out on that side of things and does not necessarily want to be the guy out front, you know, having the conversations and doing the things that I do on a regular basis. So, so when you find those tasks, man, find the person that geeks out on that stuff that you just don't like to do or shouldn't be doing in the first place. Yeah. Amen to that. I know I'm, I'm currently in that process, right? You mentioned uh, earlier, your, your business making that shift from like, um, you know, having to go out and get people every time your contract ends and more sales and stuff. Like I mentioned before we got on the recording, like our push button podcast business is the agency that I'm working on building. Um, and for many years, I was just running our heroic brand agency, the, the stuff that we, you know, we run this show for and other things. Um, and we'd have, uh, we do a lot of really high level work for people to help them build their brands and build their products and build the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. But it's generally a, it's a high intensity, short term contract, right? So it's, like, you know, four to six months, we get a whole bunch of stuff built and build their whole brand and everything for them. But the problem with that is it ends and then you have to go back and find new people. Um, and my, my, uh, my, my situation was such that I was like, I want to figure out how to transition my clients into something that can both be a long-term profitable relationship for both of us. Um, but isn't just me trying to, you know, to make money for no value, right? If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Now I'm uh, going to give you the, the greatest phrase I learned in, in the finance side of the business and it's MRR monthly okay. reoccurring revenue. Yeah. Um, and, and anybody that is still building their business out to do project work, it's a surefire way to go broke because it's not Absolutely. scalable. 
you know, yeah. so <laughs> that's the major shift that we're making. Yeah. We're, um, you know, all of our, all of our, uh, the heroic brand stuff is, um, we transitioned a couple of years ago into that's all being retainer work. Yep. Um, and then, um, uh, but a lot of those, they have a natural end to them. Um, and I made the mistake a couple of years back where we had a couple of clients where we were doing some sort of a percentage of sales that we were actually helping create, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but if you build all these things for them, um, and it's, it's, you know, I call it found money, right? They wouldn't have had it if we didn't build it. Yep. Um, and so it made sense and it sells really well. But then as soon as you get to the point where you're like, we've finished all the stuff and then the next check comes in where you didn't do anything, but you still got a check. They're like, wait a second. Right. Right. Because like, what did you do in order to, to earn that? So like, you find out that those kind of contracts don't really work um, long term um, because you want to continually have that mutual exchange of value. Yeah. Um, and so for us, um, one of the things that we, we do now is we do the, the, uh, the podcasting agency. And like we always told our, our clients that, hey, you should be producing content um, and have a whole content machine going. And so we'd give them a plan, like, here's, here's how you build your content machine. And some of them would do it. And those people are millionaires. And the ones who didn't, you know, right. are, are not. Um, and I was like, what's the difference? And the difference was, it's, it's, well, I mean, you know, it's a lot of freaking work to yes. produce a podcast and create all the content and actually yep. run a content machine. Yep. So we were like, like, it was like the, the idea thing went off. It was like, hey, what if we just did this, for, did this portion for them and then we can transition them from, hey, your project is completed. Now you just need to do all the marketing, you know, the content marketing stuff to go with it. And we can handle that for you on an ongoing basis. Uh, yeah, no, it's, our, yeah, no, it's totally smart because what people who do a lot of project work, a lot of your creatives, of a lot of your coaches, you know, they they're 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 going for a time frame of work. What they don't understand is in their mind they can get to the end result in three months. So that three months should be I don't know a ten thousand dollar project, okay, um, to do three months worth of work. What they don't realize is they could actually put in less time, get better results, because now instead of you just working solo on one person, you now bring in three or four clients for the same amount. Instead of doing 10 grand over, oh, let's say 12 grand, because that's easier math for me, 12 grand over three months, you tell them it's going to be a year long project, pay $1,000 a month. You get 10 clients that all fit the same size model that all will now pay you $1,000 a month. You get 10000 for your baseline revenue coming into your company. Then you take those 10 people and you force them to meet once a month while you're building all their projects and everything else. And that forced meeting once a month becomes a board of directors type situation where now they brainstorm, they talk to each other, you give a guided conversation. Then once you get past that year long contract, they're so in love with that board idea because they can bring all their problems or issues with their companies and businesses together. Now you're like, guys, would you like to keep this going? We can elongate this for another year. And now you continue to add on to your, your whole process. And then as you're continuing to sell more clients and everything else, you say, you know, hey, I've got another board that may make sense for you to join. And you just keep upscaling, upscaling, and upscaling. Um, and it's nice. just a, a perpetual wheel of business coming in that you're not breaking your back on. And you're allowing these business owners to do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. So, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a, one it's of the ways transition for, for people to make. Yeah. And the, the, the reason we're doing the, uh, the agency stuff, which is, it's a similar kind of reason. 
Um, but the uh, the project work that we were doing, you know, we, we trained under retainer stuff is all very, um, very intense for like, you, you have to have a lot of expertise to do it. Um, so it's either me or highly trained people that are doing what we're doing. Um, yep. And the uh, the production agency that we have on the other side is all very methodical. Yeah. And the nice thing about methodical things is that they can be trained and hired out, which means I can scale that ad nauseum, yep. right? Where yep. we ha might have, we have like a four client limit on the other stuff because of the time intensity that goes into it. You know, we could, if I want to bring in a hundred clients or 200 clients, it's just a staffing problem and learning how to manage staff problem that, uh, <laughs> that changes that game. So anyways, that's a, it's a cool, cool thing. So I want to transition a little bit and talk a little bit about your superpower. Okay. Um, so uh, we say every iconic hero has a superpower, whether it's a fancy flying suit made by a genius intellect or the ability to call down thunder from the sky. In the real world, heroes have what I call a zone of genius. It's a skill or set of skills that either you were born with or you developed over time that energize all the rest of your skills, right? And the superpower is what sets you apart and allows you to help people slay their villains on their journey, right? Um, so... With that framing, you have a superpower. What do you think it is? Well, one, I will never wear a cape because I saw The Incredibles and saw that capes get sucked into planes. So my yeah, superhero, planes, yeah, 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 yeah. How you want to die. <laughs> so, so for me, it's a couple of things. Um, um, I believe people have zone of geniuses, but I also believe they have secondaries and thirds and things that else that they're good at. Probably the greatest asset I have is Absolutely. one is when I sit across from somebody. By the time I'm done, focused on their business they can run through a wall um, and they feel like they can take on a lot bigger and do more. See, people innately in themselves, they've never been proud of what they put in the marketplace. They've never been excited about what they've accomplished up to this point. So part of it is helping them see that what they've created and accomplished already is so badass and so much better than everybody else's. Once I can get them to flip the switch that they themselves are a badass, then we can do the real work. So, so for me, the mindset of how you see yourself is projected in everything you do, right? So if you have a low self-worth, if you see yourself like a geek, a dummy, a, a not smart person, or like I did when I launched my business, the phrase I kept saying is I'm not a business owner. Right. And then I kept proving it on a regular basis that I wasn't a business owner. Um, you know, when you get aligned with who you are, then I show them how to show up authentically, be just their damn self. And then their people will show up. Because my story to correlate to this was I spent 20 years living in other people's dreams. I dressed a certain way, I act a certain way, I carried myself a certain way, all because if you're going to succeed in corporate America, the way to succeed is to shut up, act a part, and do what you're told, right? That's how you win in corporate America. You do that enough, and you'll hit a C-level executive position eventually. In the entrepreneur business owner world, if you do any of those things, you're going to go out of business, Right. So it's yeah. teaching them how they should show up in the world, because look, we all started a business to find some sort of freedom. 
right? People always say success, but the truth of the matter is we're all just trying to get to a place where we can make our own decisions, make our own calls, travel the world in an RV, you know, do whatever we want to do and be beholden to nobody, right? Um, so to, to do that, doesn't it make more sense to do it with other people who geek out on the same shit you geek out on? So it's, it's like this whole idea of having a superhero show, which is fucking brilliant, by the way. Um, you know, you, you instantly hit the marketplace and people who are looking for podcasts that also are into comic books and superheroes and all that shit are going to see this show and go, wait, he's using superheroes and he's talking about comic books and he's talking about business. Fuck, that's my kind of guy. And I tell people, the more they show up authentically representing their geekiness, whatever the fuck you geek out on, the more you bring that to the front, the more your people show the fuck up. So a lot of times, I'm often sitting across from these business owners and getting them to go back and go, okay, what was that thing you fucking geeked out as a kid? What did you geek totally out on? Cool, how do you bring that forward into business? So I had a, a, a client of mine. And he's, his business was failing miserably, and he was really contemplating shutting it down and going back to work. And I said, all right. And, and he sold life insurance. He had a life insurance business. And I said, okay, what would you keep it on as a kid? And he goes, well, I race go-karts. I'm like, what do you mean you race go-karts? Who races go-karts? He goes, no, no, no. There's a whole league like a NASCAR where these go-karts go 80, 90 miles an hour. You get sponsors and a whole nine yards. I'm like, really? Seriously? That's a thing? And he goes, yeah, totally a thing. I said, that sounds like a pretty dangerous sport. And he goes, yeah, dude, it, uh, there's people who have died and all kinds of stuff. I'm like, I don't suppose there's a track anywhere where you, close by where you live. And he goes, hell yeah, there's a track about you know 20 minutes from my house. I'm like, when's the last time you've been there? He goes, oh, it's been years. I'm like, well, let me get this straight. You sell life insurance. These guys freaking race go-karts. People have died. I don't suppose any of them fuckers need life insurance. And he paused and goes, I fucking hate you. <laughs> and so he started going out to the track and just hanging out. Long story short, his business is in the millions. And, and he's also a driver now. He's got sponsors and everything else. And he's still selling life insurance. The trick with a lot of business development success is to get your people to show up. And when I say by people, I mean is getting the people who geek out on the same shit you geek out on to come to the table and that eventually will need your products and services. It's, it's, it's the simplest way to build a business. And that's what makes social media great. That's what makes marketing great. It's makes what makes everything in this world. Great is people are trying to reach all these people in the world, right? They want to sell everybody with a heartbeat. When if they would just focus on the people that geek out in the same shit they geek out on, dude, it will absolutely transform and change your business, right? Which then, once yeah. we get them to that space, out of their own way, what do you geek out on? Then we'll teach them the business development side of things. How do you go in and have those conversations? How do you, you know, scale your business and grow? How do you actually get to a real sales conversation, you know, and get talking? But you've got to break through a lot of the BS, with an individual because however old you are is the years you've been telling yourself all the shit that's wrong with yourself, right? Versus celebrating that shit is because of all that crap you've gone through, you are the badass you are now. Yeah, so yeah. 
That was a long way to say that's my superpowers. That's what's not one zone of genius. Power is helping people discover their authenticity. Yes. Right. Truly. So who who they really are. So so just to to tack onto that, um, for for my audience who's watched me, I'm gonna peel back the curtain a little bit because because there's more to it than just the comic book for me. Cool. For the authenticity stuff for this podcast. Because you look a little bit um, like Clark Kent, so, so it's okay. <laughs> So, so the comic book thing is one of the things I geek out about, right? Me and my, yep. my son and I both love the comic book stuff. Um, but there's a couple other things that are subtle and some not so subtle things here. One of them, obviously, I'm a patriot. I love my country, mm-hmm. right? So we got the nice American flag backdrop. Yep, yep. Other thing is, uh, is um, because we're, we travel full time, one, you know, so my, my audience knows we're in an RV, which, you know, has been happening for a couple of years now. But um, if, depending on how close they pay attention or not, I'm also because we travel. I'm a minimalist, so I have I have three shirts. I have oh. this one, and two others, and if you pay attention, you'll only ever see me wear this gray one, a red one, or a black one because that's all I've got. I don't have anything else. <laughs> that's um, awesome. So, and then my my last one is I geek out about camera equipment because I'm a photographer uh, by mm. hobby. Um, used to be by trade in college, but so you know I, I'm shooting my podcast on like twenty five hundred dollars worth of camera <laughs> gear, which is not required by any stretch no, of imagination. No. But but I have it all, so I use it on my podcast because I can. We got like fancy lights and microphones and that kind of stuff. So so my podcast is like a whole encapsulation of my geekery. Um, I love it. Fun. Well, two things that I would tell you to do, right? So if camera equipment is something you geek out on, this whole minimalist life, how often do you bring the world in to see that? So one thing you should Not do very absolutely often, do, actually, huh? Not very often, actually. Yeah, yeah. On so one thing that I would 100% recommend you do is to do a 100% solo episode. No guest, no anything, and show them the day in life of Richard. And literally walk them through your lifestyle, the RV. Bring them in because people want to geek out with you. right? So, so think about it this way. If I know you're totally into comic books right, and that's your thing, I know I've got to be careful about which superheroes I say I like because those ones that really geek out, they're like, oh, that dude's an idiot. Here's a guy who created it. Blah, and they're, right? they're going to go down this path of well, who's a good guy, who's a bad guy, and why you shouldn't like that guy. I'm like, dude, I just like the fucking movie, right? So, so, but yeah, that's the problem I have with running a comic book show is we talk about comic books and like, I'm like a surface level comic book liker and you get other people that are like, <laughs> they're like all in. Like, <laughs> like, they're oh, like, sh- I'm like, Oh, I'm not quite that into it. Like I, I know all of their names, but like, you know, sometimes I'll mention someone's superpower, their weakness. And they're like, you're wrong. And I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> but, but, but think about this is podcast is one of the most unique platforms on the face of the earth. And the difference between podcasts and almost every other medium is people choose to listen to a podcast, whether they, they listen and watch on YouTube or they listen on their podcast players, wherever they go. They, they literally have to go to something, turn it on and say, I want to listen to this. Facebook, you open up your app, right? You get fed with them in the feed. TV, you turn on your TV, you get fed with them in the TV. You might be able to select a few shows and stuff, right? But when it comes to podcasts, you're literally going and choosing what to watch. So you get a more intimate conversation than any other marketing platform in the world. So if that's the case, you need to bring them further in their world because they already trust you somewhat by bringing them dialed in. I'm not, not saying bring your kids into it or anything like that because I, you know, I'm married, but nobody's ever seen my wife. Right? She's, there, there's a point to authenticity where you need to draw a line. 
you know, but, but do a solo show, bring them in your world, laugh at yourself only having three freaking shirts. Because what happens is, is people go, oh, fuck, that dude's just like me. And when you're just like them, or they feel like they're just like you, there's a better bond, there's a better connection. You know, so if you have like this favorite comic book, like you go to one of the drawers in the RV and you're like, this is my favorite one because my son and I totally geek out on this one. And here's why, dude, bring them into that world and let them love on you more than they already do. And I promise you start doing that every once in a while, watch your numbers. They'll start skyrocketing because one geek always tells another geek. And then another geek. Yep. And I'm not saying you're a geek because of comic books. I'm saying they geek out on the same thing that you geek out on. Yeah, like, so yeah. I run a farm, right? And I, and I constantly talk about my goats, my ducks, my chickens. And I love the idea that I'm one of the people doing what I'm doing that runs a full farm. And what's fun is most time I don't get a lot of people that run a farm that follow me. I get a lot of people that want to run a farm follow me. So in your yeah. case, you may get a lot Mine of people. Mostly the uh, the travelers, people who yeah. want to be traveling. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, so so we, bring we them have, into your we setup. Have a separate, uh, we have a separate YouTube channel. My wife runs this for our traveling stuff, but I never really thought of, you know, bringing some of our travel stuff into the podcast more than just, you know, we talk. How a big? Bit about how big is your travel show? It's very small. Um, <laughs> you will double her audience by bringing your fans over to her. Yeah, most likely. That's a. A good point. Something I should spend more time thinking about and, uh, and actually doing. Um, but yeah, the uh, the the whole the whole aspect of like just learning how to share who you are um, has been something that uh, um, I had a hard time with for a long time, um, um, and just just being myself. Um, and part of it was, um, you know, it's like. It, it bothered me for a long time that I was a minimalist. Like what, you know, what are people, you know, like, are they going to care that I wear the same damn shirt on every episode? <laughs> right. right. Are they going to, they're going to care that, you know, I've got the, you know, uh, right. Whatever it is, right. That we're always in a different spot and sometimes well, our internet sucks and we don't always have the greatest connection for our podcast. And that happens every once in a while, but it's all part of the story of like, Hey, we're running this business, what? running our things on the road, traveling full time. So I, I want you to go back and watch any video of Steve Jobs. And then I want you to tell me what he's wearing. He's wearing a turtleneck. A Black one. turtleneck every freaking time, right? You know, so yeah. so nobody gives a shit, right? Yeah. At yeah. the end of the day. I, I performed an experiment in uh, 2013 on my family and friends and coworkers. Um, was when I became a minimalist um, where I, and this is the kind of other geeky stuff that I do, um, was I, I picked like six different individuals in my family and in my life and my work. Um, and then I wore the same outfit every time I met with them for six months. Um, and like legitimately, I would like, if I met with one person in the morning, I would wear one outfit for them and wear something else for someone I met for oh, lunch in the afternoon. So I would like, I just wanted to see if anyone would notice that they only ever saw me in one outfit. Um, and it took six months for one person to notice. And it was my stepdad on our Wednesday night dinners. He was like, do you own another shirt? <laughs> and i was like i was like someone noticed right um and he was like noticed what and i was like i've been experimenting on my family and friends and coworkers to see if anyone noticed what i wore um because i really like i at the time i had like 37 shirts and 40 pairs of pants because i was the same size i was when i was 16 and everything <laughs> my ever, whole family had ever bought me i still had right 
And, you know, you could do the whole thing where I could wear a different outfit every single day for two months and just fill up your laundry basket and the whole floor. Um, yep. And it bothered me. Um, and I remember doing that. And it was the, the, the slight switch was that nobody gives a fuck about you. No. They don't care what you're wearing. Like, if you thought the last person you had lunch with, I guarantee you, you can't tell them what they were wearing unless yeah. it was something outrageous. That's it, man. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's, it's funny to me. We used to teach this in sales when I was doing nothing but sales training is, is I would tell somebody, okay, you're going to do a cold call because I'm working in B2B, big enterprise level sales and stuff. I'm like, you're going to do a cold call um, to this company. And I said, just dial a number. Here's a company and go. And uh, they would always look at me. My camera looked funky, but they would always look at me and they were like, dude, uh, I don't know who I'm supposed to talk to in that company. They said, it doesn't matter. What position inside that company typically buys from you? And they're like, yeah, it's the vice president of marketing. I said, cool. Call that company, ask for the vice president of marketing. And they're like, that won't work. I said, just do it. Shut up and just do it, right? That's how I trained. And so they would grab the phone. They would dial, ask for the vice president of marketing. And they're like, yeah, you can't get to that person. And then I would whisper in their ear, ask them for their email address. And they're like, can I get their email address? Oh yeah, you can get their email address, right? It's, it's a lesser ask. You're not, you're not having to bust past a gatekeeper at this point. So now they get their email address. And I said, okay, cool, hang up the phone. And they're like, they're looking at me like I'm crazy. Like I got two heads. I'm like, just hang up the damn phone. And they're like, okay, bye, 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 right? And they hang up the phone. I'm like, cool, what'd you get? And they're like, well, I got an email address for the vice president. I said, cool, what's their name? And, you know, Sally Smith, vice president of marketing. I'm like, cool, call them back. They're looking at me, right? Their eyeballs are popping out of their fucking head. I'm like, call them back. All I want you to do is ask, ask for Sally Smith. Yep, yeah, just ask for Sally. No, not Smith, just, just the first name. I said, all I want you to do is ask for Sally. And so they would pick up the phone, they'd call back and go, is Sally there? And they're like, oh yeah, hold on one second. And it would work so many <laughs> times. And it's, it's because Genius. people don't, don't think about you. They don't care about you. And, and those people working in those type of roles are just getting inundated with, song, with you know, calls. They don't, understand, they don't hear your voice. They don't know what you sound like. Right? So it's, it's just changing it up and understanding human behavior. And human behavior is I give a shit about me and no one else. And, and yeah, once you yeah. understand that, then it's, it's utilizing that in your favor. So it's the same thing, though, when you start telling the world you're a mentalist. You start telling the world you geek out in, coffee, in comic books, the Patriot stuff, and you start bringing that to the forefront. What you're going to see is more people that aspire to be that or want to be that or are that are going, that's my guy. And that's how you build a yeah, massive yeah. tribe. I, I, have a, I have a short story I want to tell you about the sales training it. stuff because I think you would really enjoy it. I hired a sales trainer um, a number of years ago because I sucked at sales and thought I needed to fix it, um, which I did. And I hired someone. I paid him like 12 grand for the year. Um, and he changed my life, which is great. Um, and so we did uh, every couple of weeks, we got on the phone and he put me through exercises. And one of the things he did to me, which... Um, of all the training he did me was this one thing over the whole year that was worth the entire 12 grand. Um, and he gave me a list of 200 names and phone numbers. And he was like, what I want you to do is I want you to call every single person on that list. And just the only goal is to find out if they have a problem that you can solve. And I was like, well, what do I know about these people? He's like, nothing. nothing. I was like, well, what do they need? I was like, I don't know. He's like, they're just, it's just a list of names and names and phone numbers. And he's like, 
he's like, I know who they are because he, he collected the list himself for other things. He's like, but you know nothing. He's like, I'm not going to tell you anything about them. Either. He's like, they're just people. He's like, what I want you to do is just call them. And and I was like, so it, it was doing a couple things. One was just getting you over the fear of picking up a dial on the damn phone yeah. to talk to someone. Um, but the other thing was, he's like, the thing that I want you to do is is like real simple script. Call them up. Just be like, hey, you know, Miss, hey, Donnie, my name's Richard. I've got your number here sitting in front of me. Can you tell me why I called you? <laughs> I love it. Brilliant, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. And, and, and they'd be like, well, I don't know. Why did you call me? I'm like, and, and it, it, the conversation basically, well, I, I've got your name sitting on a piece of paper here in mm-hmm. front of me, and I don't know why I have it. Can you, you know, did we, did we meet somewhere? Is there something that you like call me for something? Um, and then they would start going through trying to help you figure out why you have their number. Yep. Yep. And they'd be like, oh, well, maybe I go, I go to the BNI group over here. And I was like, oh, you know, that's cool. What kind of business do you run? Like, anything? You get to, you know, three minutes in and you know what they do, where they work, yep. you know, uh, and you can find out, um, oh, so were you, were you looking for, did you have a problem in the business that we went, why you were looking for something out? And they're like, oh, yeah. And, you know, I was looking for problems. It was, it was amazing. We actually nah, it's brilliant. closed we, we, sales to complete strangers. Yeah, we call it a pattern interrupt. Right, because traditionally, when somebody picks up the phone, and you're taking me back to my sales training days. But so when somebody picks up the phone, and they do a cold call, two things go through a person's head: "Oh shit, this person's not going to like me," or "Oh shit, this person's going to hang up on me." Right? That's the two major things that go through yeah. somebody's head before yeah. they dial a phone. Right? So what we tell them through to is oftentimes similar scenario. What we would do is we say, "All right, we have a list of names here." I have already vetted these individuals, which I hadn't. They are expecting your call. They need your services, but they don't know why you're calling. Take this list and go. And all we were doing is getting them to do a mental shift that they're expecting my call. That was the point of it. Then what we would do is very similar, but it's not the exact same phrase, is name and number on there. Does my name sound familiar was our, was our change. So it'd be, hey, you know, yeah, Richard, yeah. this is Donnie Bovine. I, you know, work with XYZ label company. Does my name ring a bell at all? That was our, our change up in the script. And same thing. They would have to go, no, I don't, man. And then you do the same thing you just went through. So it's almost the same idea. The only yeah. the two shifts was, is my name ring a bell? And then the front end of, they're already expecting your call. Yeah. And it's, a, it's a pattern interrupt. And you're, totally. you're learning, to, learning to build relationships kind of thing. Um, yeah. And it's, 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 it's fascinating to me. Sales training, sales in particular, is one of those things that like, I think a lot of people misunderstand because they think it's about, um, what would you say? It's, they have a lot of negative associations with it. Yeah. That like, hey, I'm trying to con someone or swindle someone instead of looking at it as, as a relationship building exercise where you're looking to find mutual benefit. Yeah. Um, and they have to make that, you have to make that mental shift. Yeah. That sales is really about, you know, relationship building and mutual benefit. Well, and I can take that one step further. Um, sales is nothing more than a conversation. Yeah. And I want people to wrap their head around it. It's a conversation that just happens to have an outcome. Right? If... People will focus on two things. One, what does this person need? Right? What do they really need? And it doesn't mean that your products and services. What do they need? And how do I get to closure in every conversation? Not closing. I don't believe in closing. Right? Closing means you're done with it. It's over. That's transactional sales. I want people to get to closure. 
which either, hey, let's do something moving forward or let's not. Okay, and either one of those outcomes are okay. So, so it, it's just a mental shift. And the most reason people hate sales is because they've been dealt with a lot of shitty salespeople over the years. And they're expecting that's how they're going to come across. So if they would just flip the script and don't do all the shit that they hate when people do to them, they'd be fine. So I, I, like I worked for the furniture company once upon a time. And anybody who's ever walked into, you've probably never walked into a furniture store because you're a minimalist and don't even own a chair. But um, uh, anybody who's one chair, <laughs> okay, chair. right? <laughs> uh, but anybody who's walked into a furniture store knows when they walk through the freaking door, they're hounded with somebody with a clipboard. So this this furniture company yeah. brought me in. They're like, okay, we got 200 reps, you know, across Texas, and we got to up sales. What do we do? So I said, well, let me go in and see your process. So I went in blind you know, to one of their stores to see what happened. And sure, I'm just getting hounded. Um, I, after I went through the process, I went back in, I grabbed that same person that hounded me. I said, can we try something? And they're like, sure. I said, here's what I want you to do the next person that walks through that door. When they walk through the door, I want you to say, hey, look, I'm not going to follow you around. Please go shop and, and see everything about the store. But would you do me one favor? And people always want to do people a favor. And they're like, sure. He goes, before you leave, would you tell me what you didn't like about the layout of the store? That's all I want you to do. Fascinating thing would happen as people went around the store is as they're walking out, you could watch them go, oh, shit, I was supposed to tell them what I didn't like about the store. Turn around and come back and talk to the salesperson and go, hey, you know, I like this. I like this. I like this, but I didn't like this. And then I tell the salesperson, ask them to show you. Ask them to walk you over there and show you what you didn't like, right? And so then they would, they, they would literally take them salesperson over to what they didn't like. And I said, okay, cool. Now ask them what they did like. We increased sales by almost 50%, not because they were told to sell them anything. It's because they were able to get them into a real conversation. And that's the bottom line is, is you Amazing. change that pattern of what people are traditionally planning to do because nobody walks into a furniture store unless they're looking to buy something, right? You don't just window shop in a, in a furniture store. I had a, a similar experience. Um, the solar company that I, I worked for that I shut my business down and took the, the director of marketing position. Um, I was uh, uh, one of the first things I did as the director of marketing was bring in the director of sales and be like, hey, we need to like work together. Um, and, and figure out how, how we can make our efforts, in, you know, increase your efforts. Um, and the, uh, one of the things that really set our company apart was, um, they were, our salespeople were like legitimately experts at the energy space. Mm. Um, and they weren't just salespeople. They, they, they knew how to build and design a system and how to, um, look at the energy pro profile for a home and all sorts of other things. Um, but they were treating the sales presentation the way every other solar company is treating mm -hmm. a sales presentation, right? You have, you have Solar City, which is the big 800-pound gorilla. Yep. They're just coming in and trying to sell as many systems as they can. Then you have the mom and pops who are they're trying to sell solar because solar is a big ticket item, right? right. And they're like, you know, I'm an electrician. I can sell solar. Um, and, right, so those are, those are the things that we're, we're competing against, um, and I was like, we were in this middle position where it's like, hey, we're a big, giant re regional player. And every single one of our, our salespeople is legitimately an expert in this space, right? They're expert energy people. So what we did was we shifted the, uh, um, 
the sales call because it's like anyone who goes to get into solar, they're going to have four or five people. They're going to shop around. They're going to call three or four of the uh, mom and pop shops. They're going to call us and they're going to call Solar City, right? That's what's going to happen. Right. Um, and so we would always tell, we told our sales staff to just acknowledge that with the other person, with the person who's doing the sales call with you. We're like, hey, just have us have us come last, right? We want to come last. Um, and so uh, because we can help you evaluate all of the different plans that you're getting. Um, and we can show you, uh, show you how ours compares and we can educate you on how they're doing and what, like, what they're looking at. And if one of the other ones is a better one, we will absolutely tell you to go with that person, yeah. which, which we did. Like we were legitimately be like, hey, these guys have a better, a better system than we can do, right? Better price, whatever, and it happened. Um, but what, um, what was really fun was um, we, we taught our salespeople how to build a whole house energy plan. Um, where you could say, come in and let's do a, instead of like, let's put the most amount of solar we can fit on your roof. Let's instead, um, instead we would go in and like, let's do an led lighting retrofit, which costs maybe a thousand dollars, but takes $10,000 off the size of your solar system. Right. And let's swap out your, your, your single speed pool pump for a variable speed pool pump. And let's add in a whole house fan and all these things will half your energy usage, which would then half the amount of solar system that you need and the solar is the most expensive part of a whole energy refit so we'd come to them with a plan that's in a whole encapsulating energy thing and they'd be looking at it um and compared to all the other ones that are like they're everyone else is just trying to slap the biggest solar system on your roof yep. as possible because they're looking for the biggest paycheck and you don't even have to say that to them it's just obvious right like we you know you know i work on a commission and all these other people work on a commission but like, if you look at the plan here versus the plan everywhere else, and it was just, it was a, it was a shift Brilliant. in how it was being presented. Um, and, you know, we had a massive increase in sales because of how that was going. Yeah. You know, what people forget often, and that's brilliant, by the way, what people forget is we as consumers, we love to buy. We buy stupid shit all the time. You know, and, and, you know, I, I've got a buddy that, minimalist. yeah, <laughs> um, well, I, I got a buddy that runs a junk removal company and he also does a lot of mission work in Africa. And, you know, he tried to explain to these African tribe members that his company was literally going around and picking up excess crap from us Americans and they couldn't wrap their head around it, right? They just did not understand why people had excess. You know, why would somebody have an additional building away from their house, miles away at another facility full of extra crap? They just couldn't wrap their head around it. You know, and, and you know, we as consumers just love to buy dumb shit. You know, things that we don't need. Our closets are full of it, you know, just to play with your whole minimalist world. And we got a lot of things that we don't need and think shit we haven't seen for in years. So it's never a situation where people don't buy what you have or don't buy what you're selling. It's a 100% situation. You don't know how to communicate with an individual to make a relationship, to bond and have a real fucking conversation. You're worried about selling something versus going in and worrying about making a lifetime friend. And a lifetime friend will spend yeah. a hell of a lot more money with you over the years than, than a one-time transaction, which gets me on another soapbox. Okay, Most absolutely. of the gurus in the marketplace come from a transactional sales background, sales, insurance, those type of things. One-time sale and you're done. 
and they're the ones that are teaching everybody how to sell. And I promise you, if you do half of their shit, especially in big boy sales, big enterprise level sales, you're going to get your fucking teeth kicked in, you know, because it just yeah. doesn't work. The Hero Show will be right back. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro-celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. You're listening to The Hero Show, unlocking the power of influence and success. So I want to uh, move on a little bit and yep. talk about the uh, flip side of your superpower, right? So if your uh, superpower is, of course, is helping people discover their authenticity, and I know we sort of went off on a sales tangent yeah, there, yeah, which yeah. is fun. Um, the, the flip side of that is your fatal flaw, right? So every Superman has his kryptonite, and every Wonder Woman has her bracelets of victory that she can't remove without going mad. Um, so you probably have a flaw that's held you back in your business, something you struggled with. Maybe like me, it was uh, perfectionism that keeps you from uh, shipping or lack of self-care, which lets your uh, clients walk all over you, both things that I struggled <laughs> with for a while. Um, but I think more important than what the flaw is, is how have you worked to rectify it so people in our audience might learn a little bit from your experience? Yeah, so the, my biggest flaw is the back end of the business, right? The operations, the accounting, you know, all that stuff. Let me Let me say this one caveat before I tell them how I fixed it. I don't give a shit about people's flaws and you shouldn't give a shit about your own. If you just focus on your fucking strengths and the things you're brilliant at and then hire people to do the shit you suck at, life gets really, really, really simple. Um, because you can stay focused on whether you want to call it your zone of genius, your, your, your strengths, whatever. At the end of the day, you should only be doing 99% of the shit that you fucking enjoy doing. If you're doing all the other shit that you don't enjoy doing, and by the way, you should be enjoying the business development side of your business. You should be enjoying the sales side of your business because if you like and have any passion for what you fucking do, then you should love getting an opportunity to sit across from somebody and tell them about how awesome it is what you do is and how badass it is and how it can impact and change your company. If you're not there, odds are you may hate what you fucking do. And that's, that's the honest to God truth, right? Because it should be one of the most joyous moments in your life that you get to sit down and literally geek out with somebody, right? If, if you truly love what you do. So there's the, so much truth to that if you're listening to, uh, to this, <laughs> this show. So, the, you know, so the, the flip side of it is we kind of talked about it when we talked about the Steve Jobs things. 
the reason people are miserable in their businesses oftentimes is because they're doing a lot of shit that doesn't come natural. Careful saying natural. There's no natural skill in my belief. I think we all learn it, right? I didn't know how to be a business owner. I had to evolve into being a business owner. I didn't know how to be a sales guy. I had to evolve into being a sales guy. Same thing with leaders and everything else. And I don't want to get in that whole debate over whether you're born that way or I just think you evolve into those roles. But, you know, when it comes down to it, all said and done, you need to be getting people that geek out on the shit you suck at. And you can outsource everything in your business, but one thing. And that's that final sales conversation. You can outsource every piece of business development. You can outsource your accounting. You can outsource your operations. You can outsource who takes out the fucking trash. I don't care. Do not outsource that final sales conversation because nobody, nobody in your company's history for the rest of your fucking journey is ever or should ever be able to outsell your ass because only you geek out on your shit like you geek out on it. And if you have the passion and you completely geek out on it and that comes through in your conversations, don't give that gem to anybody else because you're completely putting the livelihood of your business in somebody else's fucking hands and they're going to destroy your business, right? That doesn't mean you always have to be that guy. You will evolve to a point where you have sales teams and people that are doing it and everything else. But until you're to a point where you can afford full-on sales staff and everything else, do not outsource that portion of your business. Yeah, yeah, I am uh, currently in that. That's the uh, the role I'm trying to spend most of my time in is doing sales for, for our business. So... I look yeah. forward to the point where we can hire other people, but right now, you know. Yeah. Well, and here, here's what a lot of small business owners screw up. They think that if I can get somebody else to do the sales side of my business, my business will grow. The problem with doing that outsource early on in your business is you can't tell that salesperson how to be successful. Yeah. You don't know what, what they, you need to say and what you need to sell and yep. what the problems that need to be overcome are. And if you can't tell a salesperson how to go from $0 to personally making $100,000 working for you, you have no value to them. So that'll give you a good indicator when you should really start outsourcing your sales. But you know what you've got to think about is if you don't have that plan mapped out for them, then you are setting them up for absolute failure. But yet you're going to still blame them for fucking up. Why well, hired you to sell? Go sell. But in this meantime, you didn't tell them how to find success in that in that role. So that's a hundred percent on you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I have the uh, numbers. I know exactly how many numbers someone would need to sell to hit a hundred thousand dollars a year with us, because uh, we uh, we offer recurring revenue for our sales. So here affiliates. here's the plus side of that. Beautiful. That's awesome. You can tell them. The bad side of that is is most salespeople aren't money driven. Everybody believes they are. You're a fucking salesperson. You're just supposed to make a whole lot of money. No, 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 no. 95% of all salespeople are not sales or are not money driven. Okay, so I'm curious now, what are they driven by? That's what your job to figure out, right? Some people, they're working for you because they don't know what else they want to fucking be when they grow up. 
Some people are working for you because God, by God, they need that freaking thousand to $4,000 a month that you're paying them because they can support their family. So you've got to find that intrinsically what they're driven by. And I love it when you sit down across from a salesperson and you're like, cool, why are you working here? And you're like, oh, because I love this. I love selling commercial printing. Really? When you were three years fucking old and Miss Smiley, your third grade teacher said, what do you want to be when you grow up? You jumped out of your seat and said, I can't wait to sell commercial printing. Really? That's a thing? And they're like, no. I'm like, cool. What the fuck do you want to do? I have no idea. All right. What do you want to do in life? What's just fun, badass? What's that big dream you want to accomplish? Fuck, man. I want to own a farm. Really? Tell me about the farm. Why do you want to own a farm? You know, I just want to fucking get away from it all. I want to go do something badass. I want to do this. And, and they'll start telling you their fucking dreams and their fucking stories and all that stuff. You know what? And you look right at them and say, fucking badass. I love that. Let's get you there. How fast can we get you to that farm? How fast can I get you to a point where you no longer need me? Because we've built you a business that's so fucking awesome. You can actually go chase that dream and run a farm. Can we do that together? Fuck yeah. Cool. Here's how we get there, right? Once you know intrinsically what drives them, what they really want out of life, now you know how to motivate them. Because I'll jab. I'll walk by and maybe their sales numbers are down. I'm like, dude, I thought you were picturing this badass fucking blue pickup truck, you know, parked in the driveway of that farm, you know, and a couple of horse stalls in the back and everything else. But the way you're fucking performing, dude, uh, you're not even going to be able to afford the fucking hubcaps in that thing. They're like, fuck you, watch this shit. You know? And they're back in the game. But it, and it's all done in fun and love, right? But, but if you know those things that intrinsically drives it, one, you'll have one hell of a better bond with them. But two, you know how to get that extra oomph out of them because it's real. And you're not going up and going, dude, your fucking numbers are down. Go sell more. You're not walking up to them and going, dude, you've blown the last 30 calls. What the fuck? You're going up to them and go, all right, dude, what the hell's going on? Where you at? How can I help you? Do I need to go on a call with you? Let's go on a call together. You know, and, and yeah. you know, Working with salespeople has to come from the mentality of you go, I go. I'm never going to ask you to do anything that I haven't done or won't do myself. So if you need help right now, you're in a slump, your numbers are down, let me go with you. Let's go figure this shit out. <laughs> out there. So my, my next question for you then is about your common enemy. Um, so every superhero has an arch nemesis. It's a thing they constantly have to fight against in their world, right? In the world of business, it takes on a lot of forms. But generally speaking, it's in the context of your clients, right? So it's a mindset or it's a flaw that you're constantly having to fight against to overcome so that you can help your people get better, cheaper, faster, higher degree of results, right? If you had like a magic wand and every time someone hired you or brought you in or whatever, and you could just bop them on the head with it and get rid of that, that common enemy, what is it that you're constantly having to fight against in your world? Um, it's really simple. My, I only have one enemy in this world, and that's me, um, uh, hands down. So, so um, there's no competition in this world. There, there's nobody competing against me. There, there, there's nobody competing against you. Um, it really comes down to uh, what you focus on, you become. So, so for me, the the biggest demon that I have to battle on a regular basis is how do I continue to go bigger? 
So it's not necessarily changing the mindset of people. It's not marketing better. It's not, you know, getting them to see more themselves. I'm a very much let me do it and just follow what the fuck I'm doing. You know, duplicate what I've done and you'll find success too. Go as big and loud, work as, as hard as I am and do more. So I have to constantly battle myself to one, slow down when I need to slow down because I push the shit out of myself on a regular basis. But on two, I also need to continue to go bigger in the areas that I don't strive to, to go bigger in. Um, because I got a massive vision, man. I, I'm, I'm literally going to change the world. Um, and I'm going to do it through a couple of different tools. But, you know, to, to do that, I have to evolve into the next level version of myself. And, and keeping that vision in front of me of, of what's bigger, what's more. I mean, you got guys like, you know, we'll take a guy like Gary Vee, you know, he, he, you know, love him or hate him, don't care. Um, he's a self-made guy. And, and, you know, he's evolved to where he is now from a young kid who sold baseball cards to building his daddy's wine business to now running a $400 million ad agency. You know, the guy evolved in that. Yeah. You know, at 20 years old, you hand him a four million, four hundred million dollar, you know, ad agency, and he's going to have no fucking clue how to run it. He's evolved into that role, and I think all of us, as we're we're going about our journeys, is we have to evolve into a better business person. I mean, the guy you are right now, if you knew half the shit you know now about running a business, you'd have three, four times. The amount of business, you know, back when you started out, you'd have three, four times the amount of business you have now. But we have to go through that fucking learning. We have to go through that journey. We literally have to go get our fucking teeth kicked in and go, thank you, may I have another. Um, Rocky Balboa has got one of the greatest quotes of all time. And Rocky Balboa, I think it's in one of the last Rocky movies before they started doing like the Apollo Creed and all that stuff. Um, and he's looking at his son. And he's got his son on the side. He looks right at him in the face and said, dude, um, life is not about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can take a hit and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. And I think for a lot of us, they're moving through life, ducking the fucking blows, ducking the punches, ducking the tough times, and always trying to go for the fucking easy route. When the way to success is literally choosing to get punched in the fucking face. Because as you're going through, with you you got to fuck up to succeed. And I don't say fail to succeed because you only fail when you quit. Right? You only fail yeah. when you throw in a fucking towel. So so if you know it, that means in your business, you've got to be constantly trying new things, testing new technology, changing up the way you're doing things, and knowing it's gonna fucking break. Dude, I did the scariest thing in my, in, in my company history. I rented out an entire convention center. I invited speakers from all over the fucking world to come and, and speak in Fort Worth, Texas for the Badass Business Summit. That was scheduled for April 3rd, 4th, and 5th. So I invested all this money. I had done all this great stuff. COVID hit. Right? Yeah. So now I'm in a spot where where... I can literally not have this conference, right? So now I'm like, holy shit. I got two choices. I can look at that moment and go, I'm a victim. I'm fucked. I lost all that money. I might as well shut down the fucking business. Or I can go, how do I use it? 
what can I do? We, within seven days of them telling us we could no longer do the conference, launched a virtual networking and started changing the game of how people network together. So I don't want to sound like I'm trying to sell my shit, but I'll explain what we did is, is we launched this whole idea of B2B commercial only networking groups that will always be virtual. And we launched it in May. And from that moment, we're now up to 24 chapters across the U.S. We just opened up in Canada. We're getting ready to open up in the U.K. Uh, and in Madrid, Spain. And, and so we took a moment where we got punched in the fucking face hard with the business. Cash flow, major cash flow problem because of how much I'd spent yeah. on doing the conference center and everything else. And instead of sitting back and go, fuck it, I failed. We rallied the team and we came up with a whole new business concept and it literally transformed and held us on long enough that the other revenue lines could come catch up and keep the business cash flow positive. Um, awesome. and, I, and, I, and I think that's what people aren't doing is they're not going big enough to take the fucking hits. They're playing it safe. They're playing it okay. And, and, your business cannot grow without risk. The yeah, pure I, definition of an entrepreneur is a risk taker. It's I, used to, uh, I used to think um, as a more naive entrepreneur that uh, um, you know, early in my career that anyone could be an entrepreneur, that anyone could do it. <laughs> Me and, too. Me too. And I, I went through a whole phase where I was like, anyone could be an entrepreneur, anyone could do this. And it's a, um, you know, to back to the, 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 the my, my, love of comic books is really, it's, it's really a love of stories. Right. Um, so I love good stories is really what it comes down to. And one of my, uh, one of my favorites is uh, Ratatouille from uh, mm. Disney. Yeah. And um, he has that, that one of the key points in that movie is at the end of the movie. Um, it's, he says, I can't remember what it is. It's the rat or the, the chef or whatever says that uh, um, it's not that, not that anyone can be a great chef. It's that a great chef can come from anywhere. Mm. Right. And well said, it's yeah. the same, the same thought in the entrepreneurship is like my, my thinking has changed from as a, as a naive entrepreneur that anyone can be an entrepreneur to a great entrepreneur can come from anywhere. Yep. Um, and I think that's far more accurate. Um, and the reason is exactly what you're talking about is not everyone is built to take the punches. Not yeah. everyone was built to take the risks. Um, I call it, uh, being a parachute builder. Right. And what I mean by that is entrepreneurs are the kind of people that jump off of the cliff mm -hmm. and they build parachutes on the yep. way down. Yep. Right. <laughs> and you know my my whole life has been been that way right everything from my my wife and i arranged our marriage and uh, got married on a whim um and uh you know to moving our business from missouri to california to we took 28 days to go from living in a house to selling everything we owned and buying an rv and moving into it um and you know we've done that over and over and over again and my wife at this point has just gotten used to this idea that i'm the kind of person that jumps off the cliff and builds yep. the parachute after we go um, but it's, it's a, it's a certain level of risk taking that you're comfortable with that most people are not comfortable with yeah. because it comes with risk comes with, with it. The fact that you will, you will have to face that risk. You're mm -hmm. going to have things where you, you, you hit rocks on the way down, you <laughs> yes. don't get the parachute to work right. <laughs> you crash into things and things don't go right. Um, but you know, every time you do it, you get better, you get faster, you get, um, you get more 
skills that you didn't have before, like to your point of evolving into the next person, right? If, if I could take everything that I knew, know now at 35 and bring it back to my 19 year old self when I was like, anyone could be a business owner. Well, um, everybody says that, but you know, your 19 year old self wouldn't have fucking listened. You'd be like, look, dude, I've got, I've I've got the pot of gold right here and be like, fuck you. Let me figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how it would have gone down. But if I could somehow convince my 19 year old self that I was, you know, that, um, that I wasn't an idiot, uh, and I should listen to listen to future me, um, I could totally change the trajectory, but that's the point, right? Is you have, um, you have, you have this inherent, what would you call it? Like tolerance for risk and the gut punches that go with it. Um, and that's what allows you to succeed, right? Allows you to do things that other people can't do and live and make changes. Yeah. And like to your point of having a, a, you know, to change the world comes from your willingness to take risks that other people aren't willing to take. Absolutely. You know, and I love your, your parachute analogy. Um, Mike McCallowitz has become a good friend of mine. He wrote the book Profit First. And um, uh, I don't mean to name drop, but he said this statement that, that was just brilliant. And he said, you know, my wife and I also talk about my entrepreneur journey and, and the ups and the downs. And, and unfortunately, our spouses are the ones that, that catch the brunt of the wins and the losses. And he said, you know, I finally figured out a way to explain to the world what it's like being married to an entrepreneur. I said, oh, that's fascinating. Tell me what it is. He goes, being married to an entrepreneur is like driving the world's fastest car. Your wife or your spouse is in the passenger seat with no seatbelt on, and the driver has no fucking steering wheel. Just gas on the pedal, fucking balls to the wall, and what happens, happens. And and sometimes you make the turns. <laughs> a lot of times you don't make the fucking turns. You gotta, you gotta lean. lean right, to right. Turn. <laughs> but, but that's what it's like being married to an entrepreneur. And and it's it's the truth. I mean, I really thought when I launched my business that this was going to be fucking easy. Right. I really yeah. thought that this was going to be a cakewalk, that I was going to set up my website, you know, have my social media going and the world was going to be holy shit. Donnie showed up. And then I realized I was waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I realized quickly, nobody knew who the fuck I was. Nobody knew my story. Nobody knew where I'd been. And I literally had to go and start figuring out how to introduce myself to the world. And, you know, podcasting became one of the, those biggest vehicles, but, um, and then speaking and a bunch of other things. But, but at the end of the day, the greatest asset any salesperson can have beyond risk, beyond confidence, beyond anything is to think and act like a celebrity would. And I'll, and I'll put it this yeah. way. Dwayne The Rock Johnson is probably one of the most brilliant people on the face of the earth. His content's good. It's not about his content. His businesses are phenomenal. It's not about his businesses. He's brilliant because of how he's his own PR machine. That motherfucker will literally be going on the late show with one of the late show hosts. Before he's going on, he's live on Instagram going, you motherfuckers, I'm fixing to be on with Jimmy. You better be tuning in to Jimmy and watch me because I'm about to fucking unleash. And he's literally moving people cross platforms that are just into his $7 story, into the thing, been following from his wrestling career. He has spent his entire life becoming the celebrity, the people that people want to be like. If more business owners would start doing that in their business, become their own content machines, as you said early on, right? and start showing up in the world, 
they'd be amazed how much their business transformed. Because most people's yeah. problem is, is they are the greatest thing in the world that nobody knows about. Yeah, yeah you got to show up. Yep. I actually have a whole uh, a whole training that I'm actually building right now that'll you know plug for my own stuff. If you're paying attention, there's a whole series coming out called the Your Content Machine that goes through the M A C H I N E of building your content machine. Badass. Um, how you do it. So that's fun. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree that, uh, you know, it's, it's learning how to show up and learning how to be, like, you know, talk about what we were, where we came up from earlier is learning how to be your authentic self yeah. um, and how to share your story, how to show up and share your story. Right. And one of the things I love about podcasting and, and you'll, um, you, you know, if you're listening to this as one of our audience members, you know, I share my story a lot, right? You hear a lot of my stories and my, the point for that is not for my audience. They hear, they've heard my stories over and over again, but it's to share my stories with you, right? Yeah. With my guest. Um, and, you know, for me to get your, your stories in, in return. But what's interesting is that the side effect of that is the people who are listening, they hear my stories over and over again. And the more they hear my stories and the more they hear who I am, the more they feel like they know who I am, right? They have a, an intimate relationship with me. Um, and the reason that happens is I have uh, um, a a theory. It's probably not a theory. It's it's truth. Is uh, uh, it's is that human beings are a story born people, right? Yes. And our relationships, we judge our relationships based on the on how much of someone else's story we know. Um, and so I tell people all the time, right? You're you you know an acquaintance is someone whose name you know, but whose story you don't. Right. Right. And a friend is someone who's, you know, their name and you know some of their story. Right. That might be where we are at the end of this podcast. We know a little right. bit of each other's stories. We could call ourselves friends. Um, you know, a best friend is someone who, you know, you don't just know their name and know their stories. You know, so many of their stories that you can't like they can't even tell you a new one. The only way that you guys make your relationship deeper is if you go out and create new stories together. Right. Right. If you go out and you actually um, engage with each other and that's how you deepen your relationship. So relationship, the depth of relationship is all judged internally and externally on how much of someone else's story, you know, so when it comes to this, right, creating content and showing up what you're just talking about, it's all about learning how to share your story with the world. So they know who you are, right? So that you're, you're actually legitimately building a relationship with people you've never met before, because they know your story. That's brilliant. I, I, I've never heard anybody put that as, as well put as you just did it. Well done. Well, thank you. Solid, <laughs> solid. Uh, the one thing that I would put on the best friend, just to give you a little bit more on there, is sometimes with those best friends, you can't remember if they did it or you did it. You know, because <laughs> you've done so many stories together. So, You're like, wait yeah. a second. That? <laughs> Was that my story? <laughs> Was that yours? Yeah. 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 Awesome. So, I have a couple more questions. I know sure. we've been going for a while here, um, but I want to talk a little bit about your driving force, right? You mentioned changing the world, but you know, it's the flip side of your common enemy. So just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information. What is it that you fight for in success champions? You know, uh, for really when I set out to create my company, um, I was looking for a name and, and the idea of champion popped in my head and I knew calling my company one, there was trademark issues and everything else, but, but two, I wanted to define a champion of what? So I called my company success champion and it became under the, the entire idea that each person as a plane goes over, um, each person, can champion their own success. 
however you define success. I can't define success for you. Only you can do that. And if, if I can get people to champion success, then I can build a badass business. And let me define champion because it's one of my favorite stories. So you're going to give me another box. But um, when I think of a champion, I think of the movie Troy with Brad Pitt. Okay. So in this movie, Troy, <laughs> right? Um, the beginning scene of this fucking movie says it all is there's two armies. They meet in the middle, middle of this big ass battlefield. The kings are sitting there talking, and the kings are basically like, look, we can duke it out, send all of our forces against each other, have a bloody massacre, and figure out who's going to win. Or you pick your best, I'll pick my best. Whoever wins, wins it all. And they both agree losing one guy versus their entire army's better fucking plan. So the one guy goes off and he yells for his guy and this dude that looks like Andre the Giant on steroids, but twice as big comes walking out, right? Just this mountain of a man with muscles popping out everywhere. And he's screaming barbarian style. The other king goes, where the fuck is Leonidas or whatever the guy, Brad Pitt character's name is? And then he flashed over, and here's Brad Pitt laying in a fucking brothel, right? Drunk as shit. Yeah. <laughs> and just totally <laughs> smashed out of his gourd. And a runner comes up and goes, oh, my God, you got to go to the front. You're supposed to fight right now. And Brad's like, Shh, I'll get there. Now, he comes up, and Brad, you can tell he's still a little hungover. He's a little beat up. And the king's like, great. I need you to do this fight, and you're pissed fucking drunk. And Brad Pitt's like, it's fine. He goes, you better not fucking lose. And, of course, Brad goes out, beginning scene, they both charge, Brad does one move, stabs the fucker through the neck, war's over, armies win. The kings chose their best guys, their best people to represent their entire nations, their entire worlds, their entire everything. They were literally their champions. I want people to choose themselves and be their own fucking champion. I want, when you're looking at the fucking world, to go, I got this. Choose me. Put me in, coach. Watch me fucking make this shit work. Because I'm the guy that needs to be the fuck out front. Because I got this. Too often, people do not choose themselves. They're waiting for somebody else to show the fuck up and say, show me the way. Help me do it. Fuck all that. Choose yourself and fuck it up. Go break shit. Go try shit. Go risk shit. Go do new shit. So you're the person standing out front of your brand, your business, your life, and you are chasing your own fucking success. Choose Absolutely. you first. It's one of those one of those things that I like. I love that story, and I love your definition of champions because it. It, it's a, it's a, such a clear picture of how I felt about my myself and my business for a long time, um, and realizing that um, for whatever reason we have this narrative in America, particularly that you you uh, you you work um, and you work really hard for a really long time, and then at, when you're done, then you get to have your reward, you know, retirement right. or whatever. Right. Um, and that's like a really common story for the American dream is you know you go to go to work, go to school, get a good job, you know buy a big house and buy a big car and raise a family. And then when you're old and tired, then you retire and do this thing. That's like the, the story that you're supposed right. to follow. And when you don't follow that story, um, people think you're crazy. Yes. Um, and which is, which is fine. Um, so I remember I was probably 13 the first time I was like, I don't like that story and I'm not going to follow it. Uh, 
and and my family's been telling me I'm crazy ever since. Right, um, of course. But at the on, on the same token, it's it's like that whole idea that you know it's my life and I can take it and do exactly what I want to do with it. And you know if I want to sell everything I own and move into an RV and travel and still run my business and oh by the way we've forexed our business since being on the road kind of thing, right? Like you can make your own story. You can do yes. it however you want. You don't have to want to travel like I do, right? You don't have to, you know, maybe you want to run a farm like you do, yeah. right? It's, yeah. it's, but you, you can define your own success and then you have to be your own champion for, for that, yeah, absolutely. right? You have to be the one who's willing to fight for it and to do what it takes and to go out and take the risks and to fall on your face and to, you know, be coming down the mountain from Yosemite and have your, uh, the bricks go out on your RV your first week with your, uh, <laughs> your family, right? Um, scare the crap out of everyone. And right. Like you have, you have to have those, those failures um, and build it up and realize, you know, you can do whatever you want, right? You can build your life the way that you want. That's for me, that's what the American dream is. The American mm-hmm. dream is learning how to take the reins of your own story and write it however you want and be the champion, you know, be the, uh, the author of your own story, so to speak. Can't wait for someone else to write it for you. Absolutely. And, and most people, unfortunately, are, you know, yeah. um, uh, hoping somebody else will show up. I mean, being a business owner, man, is, is literally the toughest thing I've ever done in my life. You know, it's, it's, it, is, it is hands down. I had four years in Marine Corps, 20 years of straight commission sales, and nothing has been tougher than running a fucking business. And it's because there's legitimately no roadmap. There's nobody can teach you how to be an entrepreneur. They can teach you how to do accounting. They can teach you how to do business. They can teach you how to do operations. They can teach you how to do sales, but they cannot teach you how to be an entrepreneur. They can't teach you how to take fucking risk. You've got to figure that shit out on your own. They can't teach you how to have tenacity and grit because, look, I really think an entrepreneur has got to be a little bit fucking insane. Because most people would have thrown in a fucking towel a long time ago versus putting themselves through the shit we put ourselves through. You know, I mean, literally, we wake up every day going, is this going to continue to work or is this whole thing going to come off the fucking rails? You know, and, and we choose to continue to step forward, knowing that it could be a pandemic, knowing it could be something, and next thing you know, we fucking lose everything. And we go, sure, let's do that again. Let me go get punched in the face one more time and keep moving forward. You've got to be fucking insane to do that. So for everybody out there that's listening, no bullshit, I'm fucking proud of you if you're still in the game. Because this is not an easy fucking game to play. And, and look, nobody in their right mind is built for this. I don't give a fuck what people say about your DNA and everything else. This is all, all comes down to you got to be a little fucking insane to do this. So if you are, welcome to my insanity club. Welcome to the fucking family. And, and no, you're not alone doing this crazy ass shit because there's a lot of idiots like us out there. <laughs> and you know what? Like Steve Jobs said, here's to the crazy ones because they're the ones that change things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. He's also got another saying, and I'm going to screw it up, but is, is there's two types of people in the world, the ones that think they can change the world and the ones that do. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, there's not many people in this world that can envision a world that they've impacted in so much. They've actually shifted a generation. Steve Jobs is one of those people, love them or hate them. The guy took on the David and Goliath and literally shifted the world with a new piece of technology. 
you gotta be a little fucking insane to think you could do it. Mark Zuckerberg, you say the same thing. You know, you gotta be a little fucking insane to believe you can do it. And then even better because you did do it. That's yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Super fun. I love, uh, love talking about that. So um, I'm going to skip a couple of my normal questions here just for time's sake. I'm going to ask you one last question here sure. about your guiding principles. So one of the things that makes heroes heroic is that they live by a code, right? So for instance, Batman never kills his enemies. He always brings them to Arkham Asylum. So as we wrap up the interview, I'm going to talk about top one or two principles that you use regularly in your life that um, maybe something you wish you knew when you first started mm -hmm. out on your own hero's journey. Yeah, no, I've got, oh, I love that you said hero's journey. It's, if you guys don't know the hero's journey, fucking one of the most brilliant things, concepts in the world. If you liked stories, you want to ruin every movie you've ever had, go look up hero's journey on YouTube. It'll change your life. Okay. <laughs> there's, a, there's only one living principle, and I had to absolutely learn it. And it's literally this. Everything is my fault. And let me explain this. People give me hell because I say the word fault all the time. And what I'm absolutely not saying is you have a fault. I'm not saying anything's fucking wrong with you. I'm saying if you win, it's your fault. If you fail, it's your fault. If you win that client, that deal, that's your fault. If you lose that client or deal, that's your fault. If a client comes back to you and says, let's do more business together, that's your fault. If a client comes back to you and says, I'm firing you, that's your fault. Everything we do in life is a direct result of what we did prior to it happening. You know, it is our fault. In the moment, you realize that it's all on you. See, it took me almost losing everything I fucking had looking up for a minute and go oh fuck there's nobody to blame i can't blame a company because their marketing sucked i can't blame a boss for giving me bad leads i can't there, there was nobody to blame but me that's it only person i could blame for my lack of business success at that moment was me when you get to that place that the entire world is on you everything shifts i recently had a situation where a client that i wasn't expecting left they they sent me an email saying hey we've gotten to where i think you can get us we're moving on to a different direction we're no longer doing business with you i was totally blindsided we had literally had a conversation the day before to where um, we were, were going to be doing a lot bigger project with a lot more zeros. And they really dropped a bomb the next day saying, we're no longer doing business. I had a moment where I was like, fuck them. And I, and I had to catch myself because it wasn't fuck them. It was a hundred percent. I'd fucked up. It was a hundred percent my fault because I had not dove enough into their world to realize we weren't meeting their standards. I didn't know that there was problems and issues. I didn't know there was things going on. They didn't live, leave because my company was dropping the ball. They left because I dropped the ball. And, and when yeah. you do that, amazing thing happens. You can amazingly shift almost instantly and go, how do I fix this so it never happens again? That is the brilliance of ownership. Everything is your fault. 
I, uh, I, I actually tell my kids that all the time that, uh, that if, wait, you know, if you don't, if it's not your fault, you can't, you can't fix it. Yes. Right. If it's, if it's not, if it you don't own it, right. Then you can't make it better. You have no control. The moment that you say it's someone else's fault, the moment you put it on someone else, anyone else, if a circumstance, anything, doesn't matter what it is, it can be a who or what, where, anything, anytime that's not you, you've given up control. Right. And when you give up control, you don't, you can't make it better. You can't fix it. You can't turn it around. You can't yep. learn from it. You can't, you give up everything. Yep. Right. So everything comes back to learning how to take responsibility. And I remember, you know, like I, I tried to practice this with my business too. It was like, even you know, we made it make a, um, you know, I, one of my employees just recently made a mistake, um, with a, uh, a client, uh, a client thing. And, uh, and it was a, it was a simple thing, but, uh, and the it just something that got missed, right? It got missed for a couple of days and the client reached back out and be like, hey, why hasn't this been taken care of kind of thing? And I immediately was like, I'm sorry, I, I effed that up. I must not have, you know, done whatever, right? And it's, I was like, it's my fault and it's always my fault, right? So yep. either I didn't follow up, I didn't communicate well, I didn't get the thing going, right? It, you know, it doesn't matter where the problem is in the organization, it's always mine, right? It's gotta be my fault because if it's not my fault, I can't fix it, I can't improve it, I can't make it better. And always remember this, just to add to that two seconds and I'll go back to it, is people cannot forgive a business, but they can forgive you. Yeah. Right? If you take ownership of that moment, odds are you'll save that that client, that yeah, deal, yeah. everything else, because they and can forgive you. My 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 first thought was, you know, it's like, I'll take care of that. We took care of it quickly. Then I came back and I apologized. I messed this up. Here's where I messed it up. It was a communication error on my fault. I didn't follow up the way I should have with, you know, such and such. And I was like, how can I make this better for you? Um, and right, like th those kind of things. And it's, it's, it's all, it's got to be on me. Because yep. if it's not on me, it can't be better. And that's hard to do. That's a hard thing to swallow, right? <laughs> but I mean, um, it is and it isn't. I mean, because the one thing you got to realize is you're the only person that can fix it in the moment. And ultimately, for your business, you're the only person who can fix it, period. And the minute you pass it off on your company, you just told the world your company sucks. Right? It's like a sales guy going up and, and the job didn't get out. And they go, you know, hey, uh, sorry, we didn't get the job out on time. But my fucking company didn't get the job done. Then, you know, the guys didn't get everything put together and everything else. So give me a couple of days. I'll have it out. You just said your entire company sucks. Where the sales guy should look at it and go, dude, man, I fucked up. I am so sorry. I didn't follow this process. I didn't get it through the shop the right way. Here's how I'm going to fix it. Yeah. Right? Totally different maneuver. And you got a chance of saving that account and that deal. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it goes right back to that, that same principle. If people do business with people, right? They don't do business yeah. with companies. 100%. 100%. Um, well, that's basically a wrap on our interview, but I do finish up every interview with something I call the hero's challenge and the hero's yeah. challenge is a, uh, it's a selfish thing I do, um, mostly because I can get access to stories I might not otherwise get access to. So it's a simple question. Do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Oh, how many do you want? How many Just do you want? <laughs> I, how about one. first names are fine and why no, do you think they should come share their story on our show so i'm going to give you more than one i've got three off the top of my head right now the first one is stacy i'll tell you it's stacy mcgovern she's a ceo of point blank safety services she's a wife of a police officer 
that got tired of her husband not making enough uh, money and working side jobs to make ends meet, that she created a security company, though she can employ her own husband. Flash forward to where they are now, they run a multi-million dollar corporation. They employ over 200 active duty police officers to protect the Texas state highways and freeways. Badass fucking story, brilliant story. Second one, uh, Nicole Dickman. Nicole is the CEO of Envoy Managed Services. She was in a situation where she worked for a very large company, had a whole team underneath her. The company made a pivot and shift and was getting ready to let go her entire team. And they were all going to be spread out, different companies and everything else. Uh, Nicole pulled her entire team together and said, so we're all going to get the severance packages. We're all going to be able to go our separate ways. What if we could all go back in there and still do the same job and we become a company? She went in, pitched the company, and they became a deal. She now has a lot of that same team, runs a multi-million dollar corporation, and is just brilliant. The third one is Sammy Blindell. Um, I've interviewed a lot of people. Sammy Blindell um, is out of the UK, and she has an organization. She has a couple of them. My favorite one is called One Drop. And Sammy's story is she built a branding agency to equivalent to 11 million US dollars. It drove her to where she was almost dead, seeing doctors and everything else. She sold that company for the equivalent of $1.30. $1, million company she sold for $1.30 and it saved her life. She has since gone on to build several other multi-million dollar companies. But she was in a training class one time and the professor said that uh, one drop cannot change the world. It requires an ocean. And it pissed her off. And she said, why not? Why can't one drop? I want to be a fucking one drop that changes the world. She created a one drop movement, teaching people how they can be the one one drop in their fucking lives. And now she's got this necklace line where shit's going to nonprofit. Just fucking brilliant story. So these three ladies would absolutely crush it on your show. Happy to make those introductions. Phenomenal stories. (laughs) So... I will. Uh, I'll reach out after our interview and yeah, see if we can uh, get contact details for them. Um, so, in comic books, there's always the crowd at the end of the heroic acts that cheers and claps for the hero to thank them for their 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 work. So, as we close, what I want to do is find out from you where can people find you if they want your help in the future. Where can they light up the bat signal, so to speak? Yep. And uh, you know, more importantly, who are the right types of people to reach out and say, "Hey, you know what, Donna, I really could use your help." Sure. So, first, I have a gift for everybody. So one of the things that I did struggle in my life was how to create content. You know, we talk about you got your content machine and everything else. So we created a cool way that you can create an endless amount of content for free using free tools. Um, I will tell you when Richard comes out with his program, fucking get it because it's brilliant. Until he comes out with his program, if you'll send a text message to 817 318-6030, and you send the words, I am a success champion, I will send you a class that I did with about uh, 50 of my clients where I taught them how to make endless content, starting with one video, 20 minutes, and you can make months upon months of free content um, out there in social media. So I am a success champion. Text that to 817-318-6030. Then just type in success champion, Wherever you're on social media, 
and come hang out with the family. The best place is everybody comes and hangs in our Facebook group, but that's how you get to my podcast and everything else is type in success champions. Then one last move for you, Richard guys, do me a favor. Richard's put on a badass show. I've enjoyed this shit. We've been talking for almost two hours, which is probably the longest podcast I've ever done. That's how much I've geeked out on this. If you got one nugget, one piece of advice, one gem out of this that would help you and move your business forward, would you do him the honor of sharing this with one friend that needs to hear this content message? What people don't understand is us podcasters is the greatest and toughest thing to do is reaching more voices that need to hear the things we're doing and we're saying. You were literally giving him a virtual hug if you walk up to one other person and say, dude, you need to listen to this show. Go do that for me and, and, and really show him some love. Reviews are great. You know, likes are great. But the best thing you can do is introduce his show to somebody else. Awesome. Thank you very much for that, Donnie. Really appreciate it. Um, and again, thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been fascinating to chat with you about everything that you're doing. Um, and before I hit this little stop record button, you have any uh, final words of wisdom for our audience? Yeah, it comes back to you guys. Be be the champion, right? Go Go be the person that you looked up to as a kid. Go be the person that all your fans already think you are. Step into that role, pick up your fucking sword, and get to work. You were not put here to fucking build somebody else's dreams. Chase your own. Yeah, I, uh, I used to, uh, I, I tell my, um, one of the things that my, my mentor told me growing up was, uh, one day your kids are going to have a hero and it damn well better be you. Right. It's well said. <laughs> it's well said. So, got to stand up and be the champion. Thank you very much for coming on, Donnie. Absolutely, brother.